Thanks, Wolfson. Happy New Year, everybody. All right, we'll start off with a warm-up question. Let's see if we can get the car up. Okay, have you ever set goals for diet and or exercise? And if so, how did it go? Just uh, share with your neighbors. Have you ever set goals for diet, exercise, and how did it go? <laughs> While you're eating your donut. <laughs> so we wanted to get you in the right frame of mind to think about your goals for diet and exercise because we're going to talk about spiritual diet and exercise um, and spiritual habits. Um, so let's pray before we jump in. Heavenly Father, we, we want to start off 2017 uh, with um, just setting our course in the right direction. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you uh, fill us uh, this morning? Uh, would you waken and quicken our spirits um, to take in your word for us, your logos, your rhema? Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what are spiritual habits or other word of saying is spiritual disciplines? Uh, maybe spiritual disciplines has a different connotation than habits, but really we're talking about uh, the same thing. And I, I looked uh, long and hard for a good definition for spiritual disciplines, and this one I really, really liked. So I'm going to start off with this definition, and then I'm going to bring it back at the end, uh, and you'll see... How, how the nuances of this definition really uh, is, is impactful. So a spiritual discipline is, they are intentional practices that deepen our experience of God's grace by creating space for God's spirit to do his transforming work in us. Intentional practices that deepen our experience of God's grace by creating space for God's Spirit to do His transforming work in us. Has any, uh, anyone ever heard of or read Celebration of Discipline? Celebration of Discipline, a little bit old school, 1980s, Richard Foster. Um, so R Richard Foster is still around, and uh, we've been to a number of his seminars. And so he wrote this uh, classic uh, book, uh, it's its 25th uh, anniversary uh, at this printing, but he looks at a number of the spiritual disciplines, and he lists uh, 12 of them here. Now, there, there's no um, established uh, uh, list for spiritual disciplines. If you look in the Bible, there are a number of them, so this is no, not an exclusive or an exhaustive list. Uh, but I really like the way that he categorizes these 12 disciplines. Uh, he first looks at the inward discipline of our spiritual lives, uh, meditation and prayer, fasting and studying of the word. And then he looks towards outward disciplines, the discipline of simplicity, discipline of solitude and submission and service. And then the third category is interesting also. He looks at the spiritual disciplines that are done in a corporate setting, in a community setting. And it's interesting, he puts confession as part of the corporate discipline. Usually we don't 
think of confession as community-based, more private, uh, but really there's a lot of scripture that speaks to uh, confessing our sins to one another. So confession, worship, spiritual guidance uh, done in the context of community, and celebration, corporate celebration. So these are 12 of the spiritual disciplines that Richard Foster talks about in this classic book. Um, so as Pastor Wilson said, we're going to launch a series. We won't cover all 12, uh, but many of them will be, uh, will be touched on in the next uh, six weeks. So we'll be talking about creating space, prayer, the Word, sharing, listening to the Spirit, and fellowship. So another way of looking at uh, spiritual disciplines is, uh, is this uh, term, spiritual diet. Uh, now, our physical bodies, well, we need to eat. We need food, uh, and in very much the same way, our spiritual bodies need food. Um, and sp a spiritual diet, I think of more on the passive side of our spiritual disciplines, more on the receiving side. Um, so uh, what is it that, that we take in? What is it that comes at us that we, uh, that we uh, passively take in? What, what uh, captivates our attention? What captures our heart? What, um, what uh, takes up our time? What are the things that we just ingest and take in? And that's uh, your spiritual diet. And there are a number of verses that I'm going to be uh, looking at. Uh, a number of them speak to us about spiritual diet and then a num number on spiritual exercise. Um, as you uh, experience these verses, um, we're going to lead into uh, the key verse, uh, which is in uh, Philippians 2. Uh, but let me uh, take us through the verses on, that have a sense of spiritual diet. First uh, Peter 2, 2-3, to three, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. So in First Peter, it talks to perhaps uh, new Christians, baby Christians, those who are exploring the faith. It says, long for the pure milk of the word, spending time in the word, Understanding the basic tenets of our Christian beliefs is so important for a newborn. And I really applaud those of you who have been attending uh, Alpha. In Alpha, we've been going through 10-week series on really what are the basic things, the core things uh, that we as Christians hold dear to and believe in. You know, what is prayer? Who is the Holy Spirit? Uh, what, what is His function? Uh, what is faith? Uh, those key elements of our Christian faith. And so for us as Christians, it's not okay just for us to be born um, in, that, in the same way that uh, Annabelle uh, is a newborn, and we don't say to Annabelle, hey, congratulations, you're born. Uh, no, we say, hey, you know, we, we've got to feed you. Uh, we've got to get you growing. Uh, and that's obviously uh, very important for a newborn. This, to not grow is really not an option. In Hebrews 5, it uh, talks about solid food. By this time, you ought to be teachers yourself, yet here I find you need someone to sit down with you 
and go over the basics on God again, starting from square one, baby's milk, when you should have been on solid food long ago. Milk is for beginners, inexperienced in God's ways. Solid food is for the mature who have some practice in telling right from wrong. So there's this real sense then that we shouldn't stay on baby food, that we should continue to grow and to mature in our faith. And it's the sense of uh, raising the bar, hungering for more of what God has in store for us, wanting to continue. Uh, we call this the process of sanctification or the process of pursuing holiness. Uh, I remember uh, when I was in, uh, at Brown, you know, uh, I was saved as a high school student, and I thought that I'm, that's good enough. And then, uh, you know, in Rhode Island, at the, in the Sunday school, we started reading uh, this book called Pursuit of Holiness by Jerry Bridges. And that book just uh, woke me up and turned me around because I thought, you know, there's, not, there's nothing else I need to do. I, I'm, I'm fine. I've, you know, I have eternal life through Christ. And the book really stressed that, no, you know, God saved you from something, he, and he saved you for something. And what is that for? It's to continue to grow in our walk with Christ. It's to continue to deepen our relationship with Him and continue to mature to be more Christ-like. So raising the spiritual bar by going from milk and, uh, to, solid, to more solid food. Uh, so I don't know what that may look like for you. I, I know some of you are actively pursuing spiritual things and growing. Uh, Jay's going to the, attend the perspectives class. Uh, there are so many different things that we have access to, whether online or, or classes. Uh, you know, when Chrissy was attending Fuller, I was in the middle of my uh, fellowship training in medicine, and I would audit classes at Fuller with her, and, and it was great, uh, just so I could sit next to my wife, but also uh, we could experience growing together, and we, we took some crazy classes, Peter Wagner's, you know, uh, class on, on um, uh, you know, spiritual gifts and, um, and healing, and so there's some crazy stuff. But, um, you know, the point is that wherever you are, you know, God w would desire for us to go deeper uh, and to, to, to grow in our faith. Um, I remember for a while uh, on my career side, medicine side, I would, you know, I would go to these conferences. Sometimes I would be invited to speak. A lot of times I would go just to attend and hear other speakers. And I would hear people pre presenting their research on the next new exciting breakthrough in medicine, you know, the potential cure for this cancer or for that cancer, uh, the way to diagnose uh, diseases faster and, and easier and, and treating a whole population and, and I would come back from those conferences, and I'm like, Chrissy, this is, this is really great. And, and it would encourage me to keep going with my research and the, the work that we're doing at UCI. And I remember one day, this was quite a while ago, Chrissy said, okay, you know, at work, you stimulate your interest by going to these conferences, and it makes you work harder. What are you doing on your spiritual side? So I was like, oh. Okay, uh, so I remember that very, very uh, vividly as a loving admonishment that, yes, loving admonishment, Justin, right? I, I preempted everything there, Justin. Um, 
to say that, okay, you know, um, my spiritual growth is as important as my career growth, uh, more important. So if I make the effort to plan out conferences and things for me to attend, uh, to heighten my interest uh, and to stimulate me to do more, then why shouldn't I do that on the spiritual side? Uh, so from that point on, I've always been uh, more proactive in looking at uh, conferences. I like to attend a lot of men's conferences and you know, register and sign up for them. And I usually like to take someone with me, so don't be surprised if I invite you to come with me to one of these uh, conferences and so on, uh, because it stimulates and it excites me and gets me um, really uh, energized to want to continue growing as I hear from other people and how God has been working in their lives. So raising the spiritual bar. Uh, 2 Timothy 4, 3 to 5. You're going to find that there will be times when people have no stomach for solid teaching, but will fill up on spiritual junk food. This is the message uh, version. Catchy opinions that tickle their fancy. They'll turn their backs on truth and chase mirages. But you... Keep the message alive. Do a thorough job as God's servant. So this passage has the real sense of, yes, you know, we can, we can fill ourselves up um, and we can do that with either too much of, a, of, of good food, uh, so call it spiritual gluttony, spiritual obesity, where week after week we come to church, we hear, we take in, we absorb, but nothing comes out. We don't work it out. We don't exercise it. We don't uh, apply it. And so we just sit there and, and continue to feed ourselves, feed our faces, and get spiritually fat. So that's one way uh, that we can uh, over, over, overeat, so to speak, uh, spiritually. The other way is we take in junk. Uh, we, we feast on things. Our eyes feast on things. Our hearts feast on things. We put things into our spiritual mouths that are not good for us. Uh, and in this verse, it talks about things that we uh, will, will fit to meet our own desires and our own agenda, and, and we distort God's Word so that we uh, selfishly can continue on in, in, our, uh, in our rebellious ways. So very much uh, the sense of spiritual junk food. So we need to... Uh, make healthy choices uh, in what we feed our, our spiritual eyes, what we feed our soul, our inner man, uh, and our spiritual beings. Uh, now, as many of you know, uh, I am a gastroenterologist. It's hard to say that word. Uh, I've practiced a long time. But uh, someone who specializes in digestive uh, diseases and the digestive system. So uh, I'm a, a doctor about food. Um, and most of my career, I've focused on cancer of the digestive system. So colon cancer, pancreas cancer, liver cancer, esophageal cancer, stomach cancer. Those have been the focus of my research and, and career. Um, and also the things that lead up to cancer. So we talk about uh, precancerous conditions that put us at risk for developing cancer. So one of the things that I've been focusing a lot on in the last five years or so is an epidemic of the, the leading precancerous condition. And you know what that is? What's the most 
what is the one habit that we have that's most likely to cause cancer and kill us? Habit. Okay, so someone says smoking. That was true, but no longer is. So right now, it's actually obesity. Okay, so I'm going to diverge a little bit, give you some uh, medical fun facts. Okay. All right. So this is a map of the United States in 1985. And in the, in the dark blue, those are the states within the United States in which 10 to 14% of the adult population are considered obese, which means your BMI is greater than 30 or you're about 30 pounds overweight if you're 5'4". Uh, in the lighter blue uh, are the states that have less than 10% of the adults are considered obese. So you can see in 1985, not that long ago, uh, most of the states were white, uh, some were in the light blue, less than 10%, and some were starting into the darker blue, 10 to 14 percent. Um, now, the, the, the U.S., uh, the CDC has published this year after year from 1985 till now, every year. And if I were to show you map after map after map, one year after the other, every year the, the colors would change and the entire United States would become dark blue and then yellow and then orange and then burgundy. So, 2014, there's no more light blue, okay? If you look at the green states, it's less than 20% are obese, uh, 20 to 25% in the darker green. Yellow is 25 to 30%. Uh, this orange color is 30, is it, what does it say, 30 to 35%. And then the dark burgundy is greater than 35% of the adult population is obese. So uh, states like, uh, I think, uh, Mississippi and, and Arkansas, uh, if you go into any public area, 35% or more of the adults are obese. So it's literally, literally an epidemic. Uh, it's the craziest statistics that we've ever seen in medicine. And why is that important? Or why is that su such a serious epidemic? Is because obesity will cause more cancers than smoking in the next 10 years. Being overweight already causes 32,000 cancer-related deaths annually, and there have been a number of studies uh, establishing that. So uh, that has now become a, a focus of a lot of medical attention, uh, addressing the question of why, but also the question of how to fix it. Because even amongst our youth, uh, about a half of all of our youth are obese. Um, so... Uh, as I see these patients uh, day in and day out, uh, and we're developing new technologies uh, to combat obesity, you can ask me about that later. But anyway, um, so I, I've also learned to take control uh, of what, what I eat. Um, so, for example, this morning, what did you guys have for breakfast? Donut, right? Okay, so this is my breakfast. Would anyone care to have some? Come on up. Gabe, come on up. Okay. All right, Gabe is a trusting soul. He doesn't know what I put in it, right? 
he kind of trusts that, hey, he's a doctor. How, how bad can it be? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you taste some of it. And you tell us, first of all, kind of how it tastes. And then tell us what you think is in it. So it doesn't taste bad at all. <laughs> but then I can't tell what's in it. Okay. So I, uh, I, I made this uh, amateur video for you. It's a four-minute video on what went into this juice. All right? Here we go. Welcome to Dr. Ken's What's for Breakfast show, or You Are What You Eat. So rather than fried eggs, bacon, sausage, and hash browns, this is my breakfast. So let's begin. Here's my ninja container where I'm going to put all of these superfoods inside to make an amazing over-the-top smoothie. So we start out with carrots. Beta carotene, fiber, antioxidants, vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin K, vitamin B8, pantothenic acid, folate, potassium, iron, copper, and manganese, all in this baby carrot. So just uh, put a bunch of these in there. Cool. And then we have celery. Celery has vitamin K, potassium, folate, dietary fiber, manganese, pantothenic acid, also this form of carotenoids all in celery. Next, banana. Pectin fiber, potassium, vitamin B6, vitamin C, magnesium, copper, and manganese. Right in there, guys. Next, avocado. I washed my hands, by the way. Monounsaturated fat, carotenoid, vitamin B6, and folate. Fills you up. It's not the kind of fat you have in animal fat. Really good for you. Next are cucumbers. There are three types of phytonutrients in cucumbers, including lignans, cucurbitacins, and flavonoids, all in these nice green cucumbers. Valuable antioxidants, anti-inflammatory and anti-cancer benefit. Cucumbers are an excellent source of vitamin K and polydenum. They also have pantothenic acid, copper, potassium, manganese, vitamin C, phosphorus, magnesium, biotin, vitamin B1. Also, the important L health promoting mineral, silica. Yummy blackberries. Now let's throw in some natural almond. Almonds are a great source of protein. 4.3 grams of protein, iron, and B2. Throw those in there. Then we cannot forget the best food on the planet, spinach. Spinach has lots of phytonutrients, <laughs> which are great antioxidants, give you lots of energy, vitamin A, vitamin K, and folate. Just stuff them right in there. Shove those right down there, in there. Still space for more. Let's see what we got. So, Vika Sport. Right in there. Creatine for the muscle. Betaine is from beets. Also a great source of vitamin, antioxidants, phytochemicals. And ginseng, because we're Asian. We need to have high fiber cereal from Trader Joe's. Pop some of the cereal in there. Almond milk. Trader Joe's vegetable patch, which has lots of tomatoes. Vitamin A, vitamin C, and vitamin B6. Throw that in there. And finally, black beans. Black beans are a great source of calcium and protein. 8.3 grams of protein. And 
monounsaturated fat. We'll top it off with black beans. And there you have it, Dr. Ken's health bomb. Put the top on, my ninja. Hit the button. And it's done. Look at this lovely green stuff. Ready to drink. Here's the good life. Mmm. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Good stuff. And that there you have it. Best food on the planet. Gabe, would you have still drank it after the video? <laughs> Alright. You drink it now? Come on up. There are some people who can taste every single element in there, and it's, it's, it's not good uh, if you can taste everything. So for the, those of us who are less discerning, it's, it's uh, actually okay. So I, I actually drink this every, I drank it this morning. I drink it every morning on the way to work. That's my breakfast. Um, <laughs> so w what, you, what you take in spiritually uh, and physically is important. Uh, but then also working it out. So Justin, after service, we'll go to the gym and we'll work it out, all right? So uh, those of you who've been over to the ranch, we have a gym and you, you all have free membership, so come on over. Um, so the other aspect of spiritual disciplines is more of the sense of training and being spiritually fit. Um, so we'll be looking at some of these verses. So unlike eating, which is more passive, these verses uh, look at our spiritual disciplines in, in a more active way, uh, it, where we actively engage and we actually work out and train uh, in, in these uh, spiritual disciplines. So First uh, Timothy 4.7, But refuse profane and old wise fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness exercise and train and discipline. Everyone, First uh, Corinthians 9, uh, 24 to 27. You've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. This is the bolt. Everyone runs, one wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. So uh, uh, this guy is the fastest human on earth. Uh, since 2008, he ran the 100 meters in 9.69 seconds in Beijing. And he, he won the Olympics in 2012 and 2016, I think three consecutive races. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm get, giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else about it, and then missing out myself. I'm staying alert and in top shape. 1 Timothy 6.11, But flee from, things, from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, Godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. And then finally, 2 Timothy 4, 7. 
I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. These passages uh, get us really pumped up, don't they? Uh, But the reality is, this stuff is hard. Uh, Discipline, training, buffeting my body is hard work. And time after time, we may fail, and many of us, we start the year strong, and as the months go by, we peter out. I know for me, this has been a really hard year, uh, time-wise, stress-wise, uh, things with Justin, my, pa- my parents' illness, uh, things at work, research, and all of these things uh, vying for my time and attention. And so my, my personal disciplines have really been inconsistent. Um, and, and, and as I read these verses, there's almost a sense of, ah, you know, I, I don't know if I can continue pulling myself up by my bootstraps and, and kind of setting myself up again to fail. Um, so the passage that, that kind of we've been leading towards is really the passage I want us to take to heart. Uh, and it's really a passage that has encouraged me uh, and I hope that it'll encourage you as we, as we are on the first day of 2017 uh, and we see the importance of spiritual growth. Uh, we want to be encouraged by what God would say in this passage and it's found in Philippians 2. Philippians 2, 12 to 13. Paul writes to the church of Philippi who he loves dearly, who he spent time with. He is now in prison, yet still encouraging them. Philippians is a book of love and a book of joy. And it says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. When we read this verse at, at kind of skim value or face value, uh, at first it seems a little bit uh, threatening. Um, and this verse has been misquoted or misinterpreted um, in the sense of, you know, people say, hey, you know, you got to work out your salvation, almost the sense of you have to work for your salvation. And the sense of working for your salvation with fear and trembling as if you're threatened to lose your salvation if you're not working towards it. So there's this sense of discordance between, you know, the, the whole thrust of the book of Philippians, which is encouragement and love and joy, and this interpretation of this passage as being almost threatening. Uh, so what I want to do is really unpack this uh, and look at uh, some key words that will help us to understand this passage uh, perhaps in a new light. So first, I want to focus in on the word beloved, and at the end, his good pleasure. So Paul is saying, uh, so then, he talks about Christ uh, emptying himself in the beginning of chapter 2 and living in us, and we are in Christ. And because of this, he says, my beloved. So it's not so much his affection for the church of Philippi, but he's saying you 
are the beloved of Christ. God loves you. And I'm addressing you as the beloved. I'm addressing you as cherished and love of God. And so then with that, he encourages them to grow spiritually. And then he finishes it. He sandwiches it or, uh, you know, uh, bookends it with, and all of this is for his good pleasure. And it's not so much this sense of God's, you know, hedonistic pleasure, but it's, it has this sense of God being pleased with us, that, that God's delight in us as we do these things. Uh, you know, in, in the Christmas narrative where the angels come and, and says, you know, peace on earth, goodwill toward men, it's that same sense of God's good pleasure, God's love for us. And so this verse is literally sandwiched by you are the beloved of God. And as you do these things, as you grow, it delights our Heavenly Father to see you grow in Him. Uh, so it's really sandwiched by love. And so it's not at all a verse that is meant to be uh, painful or, or, uh, or uh, uh, derogatory um, or unpleasant. It's really sandwiched by love. Okay, um, the next word that I want to focus on is work out, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, what's interesting is j just before that, it says, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence only, but also in my absence, there's a real sense that, you know, that this is an obedient group. They're, they're not wayward or disobedient, so it's not about calling them out at all. It's really about encouraging them. So work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So this, uh, the, the, if you look at the original Greek, the sense of working out has this perpetual, continual work to bring something to completion, to bring something to fruition. So the work that God started in you, He saved you from something, and He saved you to something. And it's that working out the salvation from from the place, and we remember we talked about in Romans that Christ, that we died with Christ, we were crucified with Him, and we live in Him. So He saved us from something, and He saved us to something, and the whole sense of work it out to its fullness. Work it, work it out to its completion. God's amazing plan for you. We are created, we are His workship, workmanship, created in Christ Jesus in Ephesians 2, 10. And it talks about that that God had predestined and planned for us from the beginning. He would know all the things that he would have us do uh, for his glory. And so this, this verse is saying, work that out. Work that out. Work out your salvation. Um, and then the fear and the trembling, that's also something that really, you know, at face value seems a little bit um, negative or harsh. If we look at the Old Testament in Psalms, it says, serve the Lord with fear, right? And celebrate his rule with trembling. So this, the fear of the Lord, if you did a, you can do a whole study on the fear, fear of the Lord, fear of God. It has nothing to do with I'm scared. It's all about awe, right? I'm in awe of you, God. It, it speaks to respect. It speaks to God's 
uh, amazing majesty, uh, and, and we stand before God in fear, in awe, uh, and in respect. Uh, 2 Corinthians 7.15, so Paul is addressing the church of Corinth, and he's talking about how the body received Titus. And he said, and his affection for you is all the greater when he remembers that you were all obedient, receiving him, Titus, with fear and trembling. So the body received Titus with fear and trembling. Why? Because he was going to mow them down? No, right? Because out of respect and awe, the man of God was going to spend time with them. And so this sense of fear and trembling was of awe and of respect. Um. In 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, uh, Paul's now talking about himself in this sense of fear and trembling. When I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear, right, and in much trembling, and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words in wisdom of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. So Paul's fear and trembling is him being mindful that he is there, right, to demonstrate the Spirit of God and his power to encourage uh, the Corinthian church uh, and encouraging them in, in their faith by demonstrating God to them. So the fear and the trembling is not so much threat or being scared. It's the sense of God is here. He wants to do something. He wants to say something. And I don't want to get in the way. I don't want to insert my own view agenda. I want this to be pure, 100% God. And in fear and trembling and awe and reverence, I am before you with fear and trembling, just like I am here in front of you with fear and trembling. God wants to do a mighty thing today in us at the beginning of 2017, and I don't want to get in the way. Fear and trembling. So this passage says, work out your salvation, meaning bring to fruition that which God has called you out from and into with fear and trembling, with awe and respect, because look, it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The fear and the trembling has to do with the next verse, for it is God who is at work both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So the fear and the trembling is, as we approach our pursuit of holiness, as we approach our sanctification, as we approach our spiritual habits and discipline, you know what? It is God who's showing up, and it is God who's putting the will, the desire, and it's God who's going to give us the power to do all that. And the fear and trembling is that we don't let our attitude get in the way. We don't let our complacency, laziness, whatever, stop that. 
It's God who's doing the work. We're, we're there to create the space. God is working in us. So it is God who is at work, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God is working in, so we can work it out. God is working in, and all we need to do is work it out. It's not with boot pulling yourself up by the bootstraps type of mentality. It's creating that space for God. God, you are already willing and working. I just need to create that space and work it out. And work it out. See it come to completion. See it come to reality. See the, allow the Holy Spirit to move and to encourage and to strengthen and to admonish and to uh, bring us uh, joy and lift up the burdens that strangle us. So the Holy Spirit uh, is very much uh, like a pilot light. Uh, in the furnace of our inner beings, when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is a gift to each and every one of us. And the Holy Spirit is that pilot light fire that's always there, always there, never, never um, snuffed out. So God works in us and we just need to work it out. We just need to light it up, right? Uh, so the encouragement is, you know, to be lit by the Spirit. <laughs> like that, Justin? <laughs> anyway, um, sorry, I had to throw that in. Um, so very much, <laughs> very much the sense of allowing that space God work is working in us. He wants us to grow. It's not like we have to conjure up uh, uh, or manipulate God to show up during our time with Him uh, that, that He may or may not want to show up. Uh, God is at work in us. That desire to want to grow close to God, where did that come from? It came from Him. And the power to, 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 to go about it, it's from Him. You know? Um, he's almost doing 99% of it. All the heavy lifting is on God. We just need to create that space. In fear and trembling, get out of the way and allow God to really minister through His Spirit. Um, so circling back to that definition, um, if we can throw that back up. Sorry, I think I... Yeah. Spiritual habits, spiritual disciplines is the intentional practices that deepen our experience of God's grace by creating space for God's Spirit to do His transforming work in us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, um, we just thank You that You are always doing a new thing. And as we step into 2017, we are encouraged by your great love for us and your desire to see us grow and take more and more delight in you. It's really all about you. 
all of these spiritual disciplines are for the purpose of deepening our walk with you and deepening our relationship with you. So what I wanted to do now um, is to take 10 minutes um, of 2017, the first fruits of 2017, and to spend that time with the Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fill each and every one of us this morning. more that we desire, God. And to spend time with you. To encounter you. To set 2017 on the right foot. I think for some of us in 2017, our focus is not so much on doing. Our focus, perhaps, is in allowing God to love us. You're his beloved. He takes delight and pleasure in you there's nothing you need to do to earn that. He just loves you. Would you just allow yourself to be loved? Would you do that? Allow yourself to be delighted Allow yourself to be prized. Sense the pleasure of God's loving eyes on you. He sees you. He knows you. loves you. For some of us, 
just want the fire to be lit. Our hearts are aching. They're dull. We don't feel. 2017, God, would you light the fire in our hearts that we would yearn and burn for you, that we would thirst for you, that we would long you amplify that, God. Amplify that. And with that God-breathed, God-given desire, our priorities will be straightened. for some of us, God, we've been spiritually fat and taking in a lot of junk food. Would you clean up the mess that we've made of our our lives? Would you allow our spiritual eyes to see spiritual and read the spiritual labels on things that we put in our mouths that we can understand what is good what is of God and what isn't what is pure and holy and good and what is junk give us the spirit of discernment, God, and how we choose what we feast our eyes on, what we allow to capture our attention. just for a couple of minutes I just want us all to just enjoy his presence look into his face allow his loving eyes to reach ours
And now we want to do a little exercising of our spiritual fullness. Just want to have you pray for somebody. Uh, you can pair up with someone nearby or God puts it in your heart to walk across the room and lay hands on, pray for somebody that God puts in your heart. Just go ahead and pray a prayer of blessing. Bless someone as you have been touched and blessed. Bless them with whatever God shows you to bless them with. So let's just do that for a couple of minutes. Just go and work it out. Pray, pray for somebody.